Welcome to the Business of Innovation podcast, featuring in-depth stories from innovators within leading local and global organizations, brought to you by the Pfeiffer Innovation Hub at the Clemson University MBA. I'm here today with Ann Herman of Herman International. Ann, it's such a pleasure to sit down with you and get to really kind of dive in and, and ask you questions I've wanted to ask forever. That's great. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, and so first of all, especially for our listeners, um, we've known each other for quite a while, but I'd love for you to tell everyone about your current role and how you came to be in this position at Herman International. Well, I am currently uh, chair of the board and chief thought leader of Herman, which is a new role for me. So it's actually, um, it's, it's been a really exciting um, time for me because I'm, I'm doing something quite different than I, I was doing for many years. Um, and that means that I play three primary roles at Herman. Um, I continue our research and development and looking at cognitive processes and how our thinking impacts how effective we are every single day. Uh, and that's exciting. Um, and I'm doing some exciting new research I might share with you later. Uh, I also play a role in terms of working directly with clients. And so I'm working with mostly CEOs of very large mm -hmm. global companies. And that's just thrilling because it's an opportunity to put the work into action in a hands-on way that Yay. I didn't have as much of when I was actually running the company a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and then I play a role in, in marketing and supporting and writing and, and so on and so forth, um, as well as product development. So I've got you know, three primary facets and then the R&D kind of um, enveloping it. And, and it's, it's, it's great because... This research has been around for over 35 years, mm -hmm. but um, it's a very exciting time for Herman because we've kind of reinvented almost everything in the last few years. So um, very, very exciting time to be part of the organization. You know, I am so glad you brought up the work that you're doing with CEOs. I'd love you to talk more about that uh, and just jump right in. What are, what are you doing now with, with that group? Well, what's been really interesting for me and having, uh, you know, I, I approach the notion of working with CEOs as a CEO, a recovering CEO, I guess I might call myself, mm -hmm. um, myself, having run a company um, for many years. And so um, what's what really what I'm doing is looking at how they can accelerate the kind of culture change that mm -hmm. they feel is most essential to um, moving from point A to point B. Most of them are really in some form of disruption mode. Um, I'd say primarily self-disruption before, you know, so they want to be the leaders mm -hmm. uh, of where it is that they, they play. Uh, and all of them are strongly committed to people development, mm -hmm. which I think is is kind of a, a, an interesting um, angle in, in today's environment. You know, if you're not interested in people development as an organization, you have a very tough time attracting, retaining, and engaging talent. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm inspired almost every day um, in working with with um, with with these these CEOs, and it ranges from retail to pharma to in other industries, manufacturing. So, um, it's it's a pretty broad base, and I guess what's what's thrilling for me is not only to be able to help them translate their vision mm -hmm. into something that um, is um, more easily understood and embraced by everybody in the organization, because what we provide people is that 
ability to understand how they think and how their thinking impacts how they hear a vision, how mm-hmm. they translate that vision, what mm-hmm. they do with that. What do these values really mean? So um, we're really providing kind of an enterprise-wide approach for a company to be more whole-brained in the way they go about what they do um, from the inside out. And, and that's just thrilling for me kind of been the culmination of, of all this work that I've done all these years is sure. to actually be in the field with, with these leaders making that happen. And I'm wondering, as you said that, um, because of issues around retention and uh, uh, attracting uh, new talent, if the time is, I mean, the timing right now, what would you say? Isn't it kind of more important than ever uh, to really be able to build your culture? It's essential. It's 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 kind of a hygiene factor. If you don't, if you're not addressing this, um, then you don't have the people. You know, people are the mm-hmm. engine that that drive the enterprise. Um, and I used to have a friend who used to say, "Well, numbers may drive the business, but guess who drives the numbers? It's mm-hmm. people, right?" Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the things that uh, I'm finding is the most progressive and most successful organizations are those that have leaders who not only give this lip service, because every leader gives this lip service, everybody says, you know, talent, our people are their most important asset, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Uh, It's those that actually take action um, and bring a development mindset into the organization and Mm -hmm. into the culture um, in such a way that everybody from the factory floor all the way up to the executive suite knows that this is important Mm -hmm. and that this is going to be not only important to the organization, but important for them. Um, so it's it's really kind of a partnership between the organization and the talent that's working there. I do uh, read a lot about um, organizations going and becoming growth organizations or learning organizations because it's so hard to know everything and, and do everything uh, in advance now. We are all responding to uh, a lot of unknown. Do you feel like uh, you're hearing a lot of that and you're helping companies become more of that mindset? Absolutely. The You know, um, Carol Dweck's work on looking at a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, that ability to believe that mm-hmm. you could kind of build your intelligence like a muscle. Um, I'm finding that 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 notion of having a growth mindset and being a learning organization is um, sometimes explicitly described, sometimes less explicitly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the true test for most people joining organizations is to see where will I get my development? And I mm-hmm. think people are voting with their feet, right? If they don't get the development, um, if they don't see the true investment in mm-hmm. and who I am as a person, even if my stint is only a two to three year stint at this yeah. company, which it often is in today's environment, then I'm I'm going to leave, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that 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 reality has really come home mm-hmm. to a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's really about the action that they're taking. Um, great to have it in the value statements and um, and, and 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 other forms, but it's it's really about are you spending the dollars, taking the time, and then what I think is really exciting for me is developing those next layers down mm-hmm. to really lead and manage in a way that is about engaging, um, you know, engaging the most cognitively diverse group you can and getting getting the most, you know, more than the sum of the parts of the people that you've got on your team. Mm-hmm. And and that, for some managers, is a bit of a challenge. They, they haven't always been mm-hmm. developed in a way that they know how to do that. So um, for me, what's thrilling about the work that we're doing is that we're really providing some 
hands-on, very practical ways for mm-hmm. managers to, to, to learn how to do that. You mentioned earlier that your company has really reinvented itself. Could you talk a little bit about that, too? Sure. Well, so we're um, a, we're a third-generation um, family business. So my father started the company over over 35 years ago. I'm a second-generation um, leader following in his footsteps, so to speak. Um, and then um, most recently, my son, um, Karim Nadi, is, has stepped up to the CEO position and what's so interesting, you know, you think you know, um, having been through an experience yourself of kind of stepping into that second generation role, um, what I have learned in the process of being now the leader who is, you know, letting the third generation mm-hmm. um, step up is that one of the reasons why um, third generation family businesses are successful when they are is because they let the the next generation bring to bear very new thinking mm-hmm. about what you do, how you do it, and how you go to market. And so for us in the last few years, um, uh, under his vision, we've moved to um, a different kind of business model. We're now a SaaS platform. We're a technology business. We're an analytics business. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's for me, that's it's it's allowed me to kind of reinvent myself um, as part of the process. So mm-hmm. um, it's 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 thrilling. And I think we're ahead of the curve in terms of some of the other folks in our industry doing that. So that makes it even more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you love your role and being in your current role. What's your? What would you say is your biggest challenge? I'd say, um, and 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 I, 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 you know, as I thought about this question, it's like, well, you know, um, it's it's just finding the the, uh, the the time to get everything done that I want to get done right mm-hmm. now. Um, we're a global business. Um, we're working with some very large enterprises. Um, I could spend all of my time doing nothing but client work, mm-hmm. but I'm also very interested in the research. I'm also very interested in, you know, some of the the writing and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So um, it's 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 really just um, being as available as I can be to do all the things that I want to accomplish now mm-hmm. that I'm freed up from the day-to-day role that I had sure. for so many years. And I think that's probably my greatest frustration. It must be pretty exciting to see your son at the helm. It really is, and I, I, you know, it's funny. I remember um, working with my dad and how watching him sort of feel this this sense of of, of pride to see me step mm-hmm. up. Sometimes irritation that I would do things <laughs> differently than he would, um, you know, which I can probably relate to too. Um, uh, but yes, it's 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 really thrilling, and it's also I think it's a gift for people in family businesses. You don't often get to interact with your adult children as adults in a work environment. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of know them as your kids. And one of the things that's really fun about this is that working side by side with him, I'm seeing a completely different side sure. than I might see if I were just seeing him on the holidays, right, or right. You know, over Thanksgiving. So um, that's really been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, I'm curious to know, you've had an amazing career. And um, I know you travel, you speak extensively, and you work with a lot of companies. And as you say, it's such a, a exciting to work alongside these organizations and help them, you know, in doing something that's so meaningful. What would you say is maybe most um, you're most proud of in your career or or you find most gratifying, however you'd like to state it? But what are you most, most proud of? I'd say that for me, you know, even though we are often selling to companies, mm-hmm. very large organizations, very senior people inside those organizations, for me, what I'm most proud of is that I 
know that what we do impacts people. We call them individual thinkers because we're all about thinking in what they do every single day. And to be able to have that level of impact all over the globe mm-hmm. with you know, millions of people where we've been able to um, give them uh, a, a new understanding of their own thinking potential mm-hmm. and then what they can do to continue to grow and to feel that, that they've got access to thinking that maybe they didn't realize that they had um, – and, and, and to see that level of satisfaction, I'll occasionally bump into somebody uh, not too long ago at an airport who was in a keynote that I delivered for a company, I don't know, maybe it was almost a decade wow. ago, recognized me, came up mm-hmm. to me and kind of said, I just need to let you know that, you know, my ability to understand my thinking, to do the assessment, to, 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 to get a tangible plan mm-hmm. around what I could do to become a great manager instead mm-hmm. of just a good manager – I mean, it changed my life, and that's just so. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. No, <laughs> for me, that's it. it so doesn't. that ability to have that impact mm-hmm. on people every single day for me is is really what gets me out of bed in the morning. And you know, I have to share. We we use the Herman Brain Dominance here at, at Clemson and BA. I was recently on a call um, with uh, uh, MIT and some other uh, uh, universities, and they were all using Herman Brain Dominance with their engineers and so forth. And and uh, I think the beauty is uh, individuals learning these uh, tools, these um, uh, this framework of looking at uh, their their uh, cognitive abilities at, at an early age, you know, as they're launching out or as they're currently in leadership roles, I really do believe that um, that's very powerful. Um, and I would imagine you see that as well. I know you've come and spoken in our classes, and we certainly do appreciate <laughs> that. Um, but uh, I, I do think that Herman Brain Dominance has, again, it's it's wonderful information, and, and, it, and, and it just... There's many. There are many ways to look at it and unfold it and unpack it. Do you find that you still learn things as you work with it? I actually do, and and it's been really interesting for me um, as we look at you know the assessment is one piece of the puzzle. Uh, I think what I've learned in, in recent years that's been really thrilling is that the research started with my father trying to understand how the brain worked mm-hmm. and what this idea of whole brain thinking really meant. And then we, we develop, he developed the assessment, and we got very involved with the assessment and so on and so forth for many years. And things come back around full circle. And for me, what's been mm-hmm. so thrilling is to look at how organizations are embracing this idea of whole brain thinking and what that really means. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a Harvard Business Review article, um, gosh, over a decade ago that, that was entitled, Putting Your Company's Whole Brain to Work. And that's that's you know that's really what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a big differentiator, I think, for what we've been focused on in recent years. Is it's it's not just enough to know about yourself. It's great mm-hmm. to be self aware. That's mm-hmm. a critical part. But it's it's all about what you do with it and how mm-hmm. you apply that thinking to to make better decisions or better solve problems or come up with better ideas, better innovate, or, or you know, or, or, or better engage with the work that you're doing, um, better transform your culture. So it's it's all about how you engage all of your thinking. Mm-hmm. And so the assessment is really just a means to looking at that. And there's so many applications that are out there that um, I'm, I'm really excited ab- about what we can see happen because yeah. it's it's kind of just it continues to just grow and grow beyond what mm-hmm. I think I ever thought was possible. So you still hear stories that delight you and ways that people are using it and ways that teams are incorporating it that 
Yes, I can imagine. We use it for our students that go to Oxford, mm. uh, and they coming together, or 21 students, very quickly don't know each other, much like a virtual business team in a company. Uh, we use it so that they can kind of quickly understand who's on the team and the kind of cognitive abilities on the team. And then as they go out to do some consulting work uh, in the Midlands of England, uh, they've really used the whole brain model to make sure everyone's weighing in and they get that diversity of thought. So uh, they, they many times will say this is like the coolest thing you know I have learned and I do, I do think that um, the idea of pulling everyone's thinking in which you, you know sometimes doesn't happen uh, as one one area one dominant area might override so and it's been interesting one of our um, our, our lead develop uh, the person who leads our, our platform development uh, we try to eat our own cooking at Herman mm-hmm. um, actually applied this to looking at the software development process mm-hmm. and um, has done some presentations on that I mean that was kind of just of his own <laughs> undertaking mm-hmm. and interest in terms of applying this. Um, and and so I think for me, what's and he's, he's actually partnered with our clients and some of our vendors um, sure. who are serving us. Is, so I think that for me, that's that's really thrilling. When I when you start to see people inside your own mm-hmm. company coming up with new ways to apply this and, and actually doing it every day. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. One thing I think about is is uh, when I think about your dad is how he was. Uh, uh, I guess he worked at GE. He worked in engineering, I believe, and he also sang. He was a singer, so he was very he was very right brain, left brain. Um, and I, I wonder what your dad uh, would think if he were to look at the organization today and everything that's happened. I think he would be really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, one of the, it was a personal story for him initially because he, you know, sciences and music, double major, he felt like they were two different tribes. And he was like, how come I can mix with these two different groups, but they don't mix with each other naturally? Um, mm-hmm. And so that's when that notion of whole brain really kind of wow. sparked back in college at Cornell. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, you know, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until his late 50s that this really kind of took on its own life. Um, and he had um, a vision of, you know, billions of brains served um, in terms of, <laughs> of um, he wasn't sure how that was going to happen. Um, and, and I think what's, what's, what's really, I think he'd be very excited to see his grandson mm-hmm. um, actually finding a way to, you know, and the tools and putting a platform mm-hmm. together that allows that scalability to yeah. actually happen around the globe um, and to allow an organization to embrace and adopt this and move very, very quickly with it. How did he actually go from the idea and the inspiration to actually starting to create and build this um, So model. he, he um, actually had, a, um, as often happens with great ideas, he had a problem he was trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And um, it was actually, it turned out to be two problems. But uh, one of the key problems he was trying to solve was this notion of why it was, and I'm sure you can relate to this, why some of the learning programs at GE at Crotonville, heralded worldwide for being you know, a great learning mm-hmm. organization, um, seemed to be so much more effective than others. You know, really resonating with the, with the, the learners and everybody walking out exactly with what you intended them to walk out with. And others just didn't seem mm-hmm. to be quite as effective. Great design, great content, but why is it not working? And then at the same time, GE was looking for ways to, you know, spark innovation and creative thinking. Uh, in the organization. And so the other question he was asking himself is, is this something that you can teach or is it an innate 
thing that mm-hmm. only some of us have. Um, and those two kind of collided. <laughs> as he was doing research on both of them, he sort of stumbled upon the brain and mm-hmm. as a scientist mm-hmm. became quite interested in it. Um, so ultimately, he got um, he got corporate sponsorship for this, um, somewhat under the radar. Um, some people call that a positive deviant. He was over in the corner. He had a great <laughs> boss who kind of let him do a lot of that initial research. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, he got CEO funding. For it, mm-hmm. um, and um, it became really it sort of took on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. So GE actually um, funded the work, and I think that's one of the reasons why the work is so practical and workplace focused. Mm-hmm. It's because it was really designed to solve um, a real real problems in the workplace, um, and so he unlocked a lot about great learning design mm-hmm. in terms of what's really required, and he also uh, was able to understand a lot about creative thinking as part mm-hmm. of the process. Excellent. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, you've lived in this environment, you studied at his feet, and you saw a lot of that iteration as he was putting that together. Do you consider yourself to be creative? Well, that's a that's that's it's an interesting and ironic question because I actually grew up in an environment where I get wired up to the EEG for testing after school because <laughs> he was constantly doing research, um, and you know so I was I was game I was a game guinea pig, but I also grew up in a family where my father was actually an accomplished artist late in life. Both of my sisters were artists and went to art school, mm. so in that environment I actually always sort of felt like I wasn't that creative um, because I had in my head this. Um, outdated definition of creativity kind of being you had to be sort of, you know, an artist and it needed to be, you know, evident in in the way that you might pursue, you know, traditional creative pursuits. So for years, I kind of, you know, people would say, oh, your sister's doing art there and your father and your other sister. So, Anne, are you creative? And I'd always sort of feel like, well, not like they are. <laughs> and, and, and it was a it was a it was a frustration for many years. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got into the workplace, I started applying what I'd grown up with, which is this idea of whole brain thinking. And hearing my father talk about how really creativity and innovation really is a whole-brained endeavor, that I began to realize that I did actually have mm-hmm. um, um, my own brand of creative thinking that wasn't the traditional, you know, Michelangelo level of, mm-hmm. of creative thinking, but it was about my ability to conceptualize new ideas and think about things that were way out into the future um, and, and really pursue ideas that maybe no one else would kind of even want to pursue that made me um, more creative. Um, so it, it took me a few years to figure that out, believe it or not, growing mm-hmm. up with a guy who said, you know, he was Mr. Creativity. <laughs> I wasn't so sure. <laughs> and, and in that same vein, um, what does innovation mean to you? Well, innovation is interesting because I think it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, right? Um, and I like to think of there being a continuum, right? of continuous improvement down at one end, which feels very safe, much less risky. And then, you know, pure creative thinking down at the other end of the continuum, which is is just, you know, completely new, original, you know, that kind of, wow, never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. I believe that innovation is the perfect marriage between those two things. It's bringing new thinking to bear, but also having a very specific application mm-hmm. that you want to apply that new thinking to. Because, you know, a new idea is just a new idea unless you're actually doing something with it. Um, so for me, great innovation is applied creativity in a way that actually is taking 
new thinking with what we know already, Mm -hmm. bringing those two things together and getting a much better outcome uh, from those two things. So that's that's really kind of how I think of, of innovation. It's on that curve. And it's not quite as risky as creative, mm-hmm. pure creative thinking is. Mm-hmm. And it's not as predictable or as um, sort of low risk as continuous improvement is, which often just tends to look at what we did before mm-hmm. and tries to incrementally improve. The Clemson University MBA program is home to full and part-time corporate and entrepreneurship degree programs, a part-time business analytics program, and the new online MBA. Learn more at www.clemson.edu. So I heard that spectrum in there of kind of the high risk end over to the other more just continuous improvement, but but kind of a, a marriage or some somewhere in between mm-hmm. of some of that. Interesting. Do you consider yourself to be a disruptor? Well, that's a big term in today's environment. Um, I like to think that I self-disrupt on a regular basis, <laughs> um, which um, which which allows me to think about things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I remember um, IBM as a client coming to me some years ago and saying, you know, um, we just want to do things differently than the way you're doing them. And so you've got to figure out a different way because our people are moving. We've got to be able to do something that um, – is online in a completely different format than anybody has ever conceived of before. And so, you know, one choice might have been, well, gee, I don't know. How do we do that? Uh, um, And so I just took it on and I said, why don't we get together and build Mm -hmm. that together um, Mm -hmm. and figure out what that looks like? And it was was way ahead of its time in terms of uh, what other people were doing. So um, I like to think that I've um, disrupted in a few different ways, um, Mm -hmm. but I'm hoping that the next decade ahead of me is going to give me even greater playground to do that since – I also spent a lot of my time running the company, right? And sure. now I'm in a position where I can maybe play around with some new thinking a little bit more than, than I had time to before. Yeah. Is there anything you'd want to give us a sneak preview about? Or are you just going to kind of tease <laughs> with your, we're doing lots of new things. I can see the excitement yes. on your face as yes. you talk about it. Yes. Well, we're doing, so um, I mentioned earlier that we're doing uh, some really interesting application work that makes makes that ability to kind of take what you know about your thinking, um, really plug and play and, 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 and provide people with sort of that ease of application that is so obvious, mm-hmm. so right there. It's kind of like, and, you're, and you want to take it to the next step, sort of like when you're watching Netflix and, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you know you shouldn't actually click to see the next part of the series, but you do anyway because you just can't wait, right? <laughs> so that's kind of how we like to decide, you know, des- describe how we uh, what our learning looks like. I'm personally looking at um, machine learning um, and um, have been studying the future of work uh, and and what the workplace is going to look like in the future and this notion of augmented uh, work um, and how we can we're already extending our brains we're kind of delegating part of our brains out to, to systems we don't think about it but mm-hmm. we've we've delegated a lot of our memory to Google because we go out and we don't bother retaining things because we can just Google it so why should we waste that precious space so I'm working on a project right now that's really exciting 
that will allow you to take um, all different kinds of content and be able to interpret and analyze that very quickly and know um, how that relates to your thinking and better reach other kinds of thinkers because you've been able to do that. So it's going to be a, a very sophisticated uh, machine learning um, based uh, platform. So working on that right now, very excited about it. I mm -hmm. think it's going to provide kind of the new spell check of the future uh, for people as they're doing their day-to-day -day job. Wow. So um, it's, it's a very exciting project. That does sound really exciting. Um, I wanted to ask you in terms of you said yes. You said yes to me. I am kind of a disruptor, um, <laughs> and I. Um, how has that played out throughout your career? I'm just you know, kind mm -hmm. of for people who are listening that are you know that want to be more innovative, that maybe want to appropriately disrupt. How is how have you seen that throughout your? Well, I think I think it's really important to acknowledge that it, it takes guts to mm -hmm. um, to go against the grain. Um, even in today's environment where there's almost like a sexy factor in terms of saying, you know, I'm disrupting, I'm doing something different. So the good news is I think the environment is much um, much more open to people bringing different thinking to the table. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it uh, almost always when you are um, trying to make a change happen, whether it's in a personal relationship, whether it's um, in a team, whether it's in an organization, um, it requires kind of walking out into a zone uh, that can feel quite risky. Mm -hmm. And that also requires a tolerance for ambiguity because you don't always really know what it is that's going to happen. And you can't hold on to your initial idea of how it's going to happen because most of the time it won't happen the way you thought it would. Mm -hmm. So my recommendation for people is to um, is to take a moment. Um, I did a TEDx talk that talked about think like your future depends on it because it really does. Mm -hmm. To take a moment to, you know, to let themselves hear the ideas that their brain's providing them on a day-to-day -day basis. Most of us have those ideas. Um, we don't pay attention to them. We sort of disregard them. We discount them. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have those ideas first thing in the morning. Maybe we have them while we're driving home mm -hmm. or in the shower. Um, you only have about 10 seconds of memory when you're in that brain state. And if you don't capture them, you'll lose them. Mm -hmm. So the first step is just listening to your own brain. Right. Um, and then, then it takes, you know, it takes that um, willingness to take a risk, to put yourself out there, to maybe bring up something that's going to make people uncomfortable mm -hmm. so that getting comfortable with your own discomfort mm -hmm. and, and other people's discomfort with new thinking it's something that you kind of have to practice and get a, you know, build build up some resilience uh, for. Um, but it's so worth it. Mm -hmm. It's so worth it. And so often, once people get it, they'll say, God, you know, why didn't I think of that? Mm -hmm. um, and if they don't, then it, they will the next time, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that notion of just kind of going for it, I think, is, is – and as early as you can, start practicing. If you're earlier in your career, um, sometimes you have – the least amount of baggage mm -hmm. and the most to add, the greatest amount of insight to add. So um, one of the things that I do every time somebody joins our company is I ask them to create, to take a notebook and put it and keep it, keep it with them or whatever, you know, um, an Evernote file or whatever they might be using. And anything that occurs to them as they look at our organization and it makes them think like, why do they do that? Or, yeah. gee, wouldn't it be great if we did that to capture it mm -hmm. and to share that with their leader? Yeah. Because they haven't been... I guess you could say contaminated by our mm -hmm. culture in terms of the way we do things at Herman, and uh, it's it's great to see what people come up with, right? And so, mm -hmm. 
there's there's a great beauty in not knowing. Mm -hmm. And I think feeling okay about not knowing is one of the biggest barriers that people have Mm -hmm. um, to feeling like they could take that first step towards something that you know, it's totally new. Mm-hmm. You touched on it, uh, the idea, uh, the the moment the idea comes and how there's just a brief period of time and it's usually gone. I remember reading something uh, in some of the Herman uh, International uh, material about the, the, the time before sleeping mm. and the time in the morning. Um, and I don't remember exactly what you called it, but kind of what happens. So there's a brain state <laughs> shift. So actually, as we're kind of winding down and relaxing, or we're kind of on automatic. Um, and sometimes you don't want to be on automatic because, you know, you, you've you got to be paying attention to something. Mm-hmm. But so this often occurs just as we're right as we're heading into um, into sleep, mm-hmm. where our brain state changes as we're waking in the morning. We're also kind of we're in automatic mode. For some people, they say it's like washing the dishes, mowing the lawn, taking mm-hmm. a shower, driving. Right. So it for, it's what's important is to kind of identify that sweet spot for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a brain state change, which means that actually our memory processing is changing as well. And that's why there's such a brief moment. Um, and, you know, I've had so many people say to me, well, God, you know, like I, I solved, I think I solved world peace and I can't remember what it is I came <laughs> up with. Um, I even know somebody who put a whiteboard up in his shower above the water line because that's where he did all of his best thinking. Yeah. And, and, his, and his, his wife was like, what are you? And he's like, just trust me. <laughs> this is important. Um, wasn't a good place to have his phone to, to record his ideas, which is normally where how he did it. So, sure. um, so yeah, there's a change in brain state. And and um, I think if you, you can kind of induce that by just taking a break during the day, mm-hmm. going for a walk in nature, um, stopping and listening to music. Uh, but what's important is to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to what's floating around in your head and capture it, even if it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. at the moment. So tell me, um, as you think about yourself as a leader and your accomplishments, what is the one thing that you really like about yourself as a leader? <laughs> Gosh, um, I think it's the, the same thing that probably drives a few other people crazy. Um, it's it's my curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, and I actually think that it's, curiosity is going to be one of the core competencies of the future because you've you've got to be curious as a leader to really engage with people. If you're not curious about who you're leading, mm-hmm. you you just don't ask the questions that you might ask about mm-hmm. who they are and what they care about and why they get out of bed in the morning. Um, so I am constantly asking questions. I'm always wondering why something is designed the way it is. Um, I think it it's driven some people and my family a little crazy on occasion because they're kind of like, why do you care? Um, <laughs> but um, so I think that I think that curiosity is part of what allows me to to stay excited and interested even when things are changing or things are difficult. Um, Just getting curious and staying curious. Um, So I hope that's something I never lose. Yeah, that's a great one. It's it's it, in the VIA character dot org, the twenty four character values, the character, uh, the curiosity pops up, you know, in those, and those are wonderful too. But I agree with you, curiosity is one of the best. Um, something that you don't like about yourself as much, impatience. I'm I'm an incredibly you know because I get excited about things, um, and this is a trait of a lot of people who are big picture thinkers like I am, is that they see something in their mind's eye and it seems so obvious to them, and they mm-hmm. think, how come other people can't see this? And there is a step between thinking about something and seeing it, and that is that you have to describe it very effectively and get people on board with mm-hmm. it. Um, but I think it's very easy for me to get impatient because I I'm anxious to see things happen and move as quickly as they can. So mm-hmm. I've had to mind hack my way 
um, around dealing with that impatience because other people don't always appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um, They misinterpret it. They think you're, you know, not really respecting their thinking Mm -hmm. or whatever. So I I try to take notes while I'm listening Mm -hmm. um, to capture some of what's going on in my head so that I'm less prone to feel like I need to share that immediately and kind of keep things moving. Mm -hmm. Um, personally, what are you most proud of? Your most proud personal moment? We've talked a lot about business and career, but uh, what is Anne Herman most proud of in terms of your personal life, if you don't mind me asking? No, I would say um, I would say that it's it's actually um, having been able to not only bring together the work that I care so much about. Mm-hmm. And then um, be in a family environment where um, I have family members who were excited enough to step in and, and mm-hmm. play that role in the same way that I did with, with, with my father. Um, it's, 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 it's being a mom to, mm-hmm. um, to two boys who, uh, you know, who lived with an entrepreneur who uh, traveled a lot and wasn't always home um, yeah. and was dragging them all over the planet with her. <laughs> Taking them to trade shows, you know, bringing them into workshops. Um, mm-hmm. A husband who was supportive all along that process and often heard me telling stories about him in workshops and things like that. So I think it's that ability for me to create that family culture mm-hmm. um, as well as a company culture that 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 really where people, we weren't just talking about what we do, but we were really living it. Sure. And for me, the true test is in your family if you can do that, um, but also in, in, a, in the company um, that, you, that you're leading. We were talking about your children. I'm curious to know about your childhood. Was there a childhood challenge that you had to overcome? You know, interestingly enough, I was, because of my curiosity and um, my impatience that I mentioned earlier, I was not always the easiest learner um, Mm -hmm. to have in the classroom. Um, And so I was kind of always pushing the envelope, which was not helpful. Um, Most, a lot of, a lot of teachers you know, didn't fully understand. I, I, I always wanted to be doing something a little bit different mm-hmm. than everybody else. Um, and, and, and that, you know, as a kid, you don't fully understand why somebody doesn't get you, why, mm-hmm. why you're different than mm-hmm. everybody else. And, you know, you, you're supposed to, you know, kind of go with what the teacher says <laughs> all the time. Um, and, um, and so the, I think my biggest challenge, frankly, was kind of navigating the traditional world of education and mm. finding my way mm-hmm. through that in a way that really fit who I was. Um, and, you know, uh, I think the good news is a lot is changing mm-hmm. in that world, but I'm sure that people, some of their people listening today who've experienced mm-hmm. that same feeling, at least if not all the time, at least with one yeah. teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's great about what we teach is, okay, so think of that as a learning opportunity. Think yeah. of that as a way to stretch your thinking, to build that muscle, to see if you can embrace a different way of looking at something um, and, and, and take it on as a personal challenge. And I, I didn't do that early in life, but I think I've learned how to do that as an mm-hmm. adult. <laughs> so what are you curious about now? Well, I am really curious about what is going to be happening in the very near term around um, how we conceptualize what we do at work. Um, so I said, I'm, I'm fascinated with this notion of the future of work and how um, technology and humans will come together. I think it's important for us to continue to be smarter 
than technology mm-hmm. um, and to and to be as adaptive as we can be. A lot of people are threatened and feel like technology is actually going to take away their their job or it's going to you know somehow um, you know get in the way of their ability to get their work done. Um, I think with the right design in place and a better understanding of how we think, we can find ways to help people augment their thinking mm-hmm. in ways that they never even thought was possible. Mm-hmm. So for me, that is what I'm most curious about. And and how will that play out? You know, we're a 100% remote company uh, as an organization, a global company. That's a different model mm-hmm. than one that you could even think of, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, it means that you think differently about how you build culture and, uh, you know, it, it allows us to attract great talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also means that you have to, you know, think about how you engage with that talent differently. So that whole notion of, you know, how do you leverage technology in a way that allows that to happen? But how do we truly augment what it is that our brains bring to the table and, and feel great about that and open up even more opportunities than we've ever had before mm-hmm. for our thinking. That's what I'm most excited about right now. Tell me um, what you hope to accomplish going forward. What is it that you would like to see happen personally or professionally in the next five to ten years? Uh, I think for me it's that ability to to change the way people think about their own development. Um, I think we all need to be lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people kind of, you know, they, they, they get through their college days and then they go to work and they kind of think, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that learning, that, that full-time learning thing is now done. Um, and then it becomes almost like a part-time sort of extracurricular part of our lives. Mm-hmm. So I am looking for ways that we can help um, individual thinkers and organizations um, embrace who they are as thinkers and learners mm-hmm. and and take that initiative themselves mm-hmm. to own what it is that they need to be learning to, 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 to pursue that development and not necessarily hope that someone is going to bestow that upon them. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that that's true for a lot of people, but I just don't think that's going to happen in the future. I think we're going to need to own our own development. Yeah. You know, you may be working for 15 different, 20 different organizations throughout your career. You mm-hmm. need to own what that path looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, take some risks and figure it, figure out how it is you, you can really take advantage of your own thinking um, and, and build that whole brain muscle that mm-hmm. will allow you to, um, to really thrive in this crazy world that we live in mm-hmm. rather than just survive and feel mm-hmm. like it's coming at you. Right, mm-hmm. and it's. I think it's through that owning it that that's really going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, best advice you ever received? <laughs> um, it's advice that I probably would not have thought I would say is the best advice. Um, <laughs> um, I think in in some instances, I remember. Um, I remember I had a mentor for some years, who um, was just great. Just great. Um, and he, I called him up one day and I was so frustrated with a situation that was not going the way I wanted it to as a leader. And um, he said, um, he listened to me and then he said, oh gosh, Anne, you know, I am so thrilled to see you so uncomfortable. And I said, gee, thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks a lot. What do you, what do you mean? 
And he said, because discomfort is a sign of learning. So every time you feel that discomfort, mm -hmm. think of it as a learning opportunity. You know, reframe. And 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 I think we are, we're kind of trained early in life to kind of try to shy away from that discomfort. Mm -hmm. um, so it is definitely something you need to reframe around and kind of mind hack your way around. But it was the best advice I'd ever gotten, mm -hmm. which is, you know, when that moment, that tinge of discomfort shows up in your personal life, in your professional life, just take that moment and step back and say, okay, what am I, what am I, what am I intended to learn here? Right. And, and it, it totally changes the way you look at it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, Anne, how do you want to be remembered? I would love to be remembered as someone who um, brought to the world um, some very important, impactful, but practical and useful tools for, uh, for, for every individual out there to get excited about mm -hmm. the brains they bring to the table and feel like whatever that preference might be, that they can do so much with that. Um, and for me, if, if, you know, I think about the millions of lives that we've impacted so far, the more of that that I can do mm -hmm. um, and let people feel like they own the process mm -hmm. rather than it coming from someone else, then mm -hmm. I'll, I'll feel really great about what I've done. So what questions should I have asked you but did not? Oh, I guess um, probably the, you know, um, what do I do outside of work for my own development? Mm -hmm. um, and I think you personally know a little bit about this. Um, so I actually, and you know, I had an interesting learning aha not too long ago because I was doing so much reading and the research I was doing that I felt like my visual brain was kind of uh, in the process of shrinking. Right, um, mm -hmm. I'm a natural visual thinker. I use that all the time, but it just just seemed like I, I was struggling with that. So my my youngest son um, said to me, "Well, you know, Mom, why don't you just work on it on a daily basis?" I said, "Oh, that's an interesting idea." He says, "You're always talking to people about doing development work and learning," mm -hmm. and he said, um, "I know you like photography. Why don't you just take 10, 20, 30 minutes a day, find something to photograph, and then really get into it, mm -hmm. um, and then do something with it." Post it on Instagram. Do something with it because you're very purpose-driven. So if you don't do something with it, it's not mm -hmm. going to work. So I've been doing that for over two years. Um, and it, it, I can't tell you how much impact it's had on the way I look at the world, mm -hmm. um, that, that that visual acuity. But also that allows me to see ideas differently, see strategic landscapes differently. So sometimes it's the little things that mm -hmm. we embrace, those little rituals, and that's part of what we're developing right now that's so exciting for me, those daily rituals that we adopt mm -hmm. um, that, you know, it can be as, as easy as practicing something that you've never done before and stepping deep more deeply into that and having fun with it. We have a tool called the Whole Brain Walk Around that encourages people to step into the four different mental modes, you know, be analytical, you know, what is, ask yourself that real question, what is that about, or be practical, what needs to happen here, or, you know, um, you know, be, you know, more personal and relationship oriented, mm -hmm. or be experimental. And if you take every challenge you face and just step into those four modes, mm -hmm. when you look at it, 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 it doesn't take a lot of time, and it can it can actually change the way you think. And that's, for me, 
that's 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 pretty exciting. That's amazing. And thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to sit down with you and to learn more about you and your organization. And we can't wait to see what you do next. So appreciate you coming today. Thank you for having me. It's been a sure. lot of fun. This episode was produced by 9-8 Central and the Clemson University MBA program sponsored by the Pfeiffer Innovation Hub. Thanks for listening to the Business of Innovation. Hear more stories at www.clemson.edu slash MBA slash podcast.